0: Welcome back. It's Mile High Magazine. Good morning. Another Sunday morning here. Beautiful day in Denver. We appreciate you listening to us. And we always have good conversation to share. A lot of knowledge about organizations that exist that help many other people that you may not know about. And today is one of them. We will have with us Joe Lewis, who is the CEO of Angels of America's Fallen. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Well, we're doing great. And I got to tell you, I've been around a while and I've never, and I'm sure many other people listening this morning have heard of Angels of America's Falling. We know it's a nonprofit, but please explain what it's all about, what you've been doing, and how long you've been doing it.
1: Sure. So, Angels of America's Falling, yeah, we're a 501c3 nonprofit that uh, I formed after I retired from the military to engage kids of our fallen military and first responders in positive activities throughout their most crucial formative years of childhood. So from the time they register all the way through 18, we get them in positive activities like sports, music, arts, any kind of positive thing that's got a coach or an instructor so they can direct their attention and activities into that instead of becoming withdrawn and depressed or running with the wrong crowd and making, making mistakes, and we are now in our ninth year.
0: Wow, that's good. Congratulations on that, Joe. And we talk about the children. They're children of fallen soldiers and first responders. Am I right about that?
1: Absolutely, yes. And all it takes to qualify is that mom or dad served and gave all because to the child, it doesn't matter if it's a combat fatality, a training accident, or unfortunately, what we're seeing a lot of are suicides.
0: Yeah, I hear there's a lot of that going on more than ever. Why Why do you think that is, Joe?
1: Well, you know, we've never asked this much from an all-volunteer force in our nation's history. You've got people that have been on, you know, 10 deployments, and with our first responders, you know, there's been an awful lot of negative press and other things that uh, that's really unwarranted and, um, you know, puts a lot of stress and strain on them. And one of the biggest things, I think, is when they respond to a really negative event, and it's it's something, you know, that's that's hard to see and hard to deal with, like, say, child abuse or or death or other kinds of things, you know, it happens in their own community for first responders. And so whenever they, you, you start doing this for a career, and pretty soon there's trigger events all across town where you remember that this happened and that happened. So, you know, there's an awful lot of stress and pressure. And, um, you know, it's it's high risk things. They never know what's going to happen when they pull somebody over. And for same thing for our firefighters, you know, they show up and they see trauma, 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 and um, they don't really get to see, yeah you know, sometimes if it turns out good or if it turns out bad, but that's a lot to carry.
0: Well, it certainly is, and you're right. there's a lot of that uh, suicide going on. We're sorry to hear that, but we're glad to have we ho- have folks like you at Angels of America's Fall and kind of step in and help with the families and again, explain how you get involved with that and who's who's stepping in who who's helping these children of fallen first responders and people in the military?
1: Yeah, so our organization's still pretty small as far as the number of staff we we work really hard to keep our overhead low. We've got a program services director and an assistant that reach out to the families and connect with them. And actually all of us here do. I do that as well. But they primarily talk to the families, find out what the child wants to do. Then the, the remaining parent, which is in most cases the mom, we've got a couple of dads in the program, but the vast majority are widows. And they decide where they can get their child back and forth to town in town. Um, and they vet who they want their child to go to for piano lessons or what soccer league or, or whatever it is. And then they give us the information. We contact the activity provider directly. We make the payment directly to them. So it, it, it doesn't have to go through, um, you know, a reimbursement process or anything like that. It's directly to them. And most importantly though, is that we follow up. We want to know how they're doing. Did what they pick turn out to be their fit? And if it's not, we want them to keep trying until they get their fit. So, we're checking to see you know, how the kid's doing and uh, do they like what they're doing. And then let's say it's seasonal. Well, we'll call at the end of the season and say, okay, soccer season's over. You know, hope you had a great time. But what are you going to do between now and next soccer season? Let's get you in something. So it's, uh, it's really a very much an engagement model. And we also provide peer mentoring and, um, and resiliency kind of stuff where we want them to be out there telling their story and becoming comfortable with that and healing through helping. So our Voices program for moms and kids that want to tell their story to help others um, it heal is, is really powerful as well.
0: Oh, my gosh. It sounds like you guys make what you would call a long-term commitment to these children.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. It's, it's a real long-term commitment because we've had some kids join us, you know, really, really young. Um, in fact, the first, the first three kids that we ever supported were the sons of the first chaplain to pass in combat since Vietnam. And the youngest one was so little, we did mommy and me swim classes for him. So we've had, you know, 18-month-olds um, get in, and and um, not a whole lot they can do, but we get them in what they can do, mommy and me music, mommy and me swimming. That's a, that's a big thing. We want all these kids to know how to swim.
0: Well, yeah, I guess that is important. So you stay pretty much committed to these children till they hit the age of 18?
1: All the way through 18, yes, because, you know, some kids are still 18 while they're in high school, and we wouldn't want a child you know, some kid that's becoming a young adult and they're really into their sport or their music or whatever their thing is and they cut them off in their senior year.
0: So why is it so important for you to stay committed that long? That's a long period of time and a lot of time on uh, the end of the volunteers that are helping.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely it, it is. But it's really designed for long-lasting positive impact. And we looked at this a lot. You know, a, a one-and-done kind of thing, um, you know, a one-time trip or a, a one-time gift is not what we're about what we're what we're doing is just providing an opportunity for the kids to invest in themselves over the long term and we found that it's not like the dust settles after a year or two and the kids have their new normal they continue to revisit the loss of their parent um, throughout their whole childhood as they mature and it impacts them at different levels you know so a three-year-old doesn't understand death is permanent but it hits them harder when they do and then when they get a little bit older again and then a little bit older again and of course there's trigger events their birthdays anniversaries they're seeing the video of a soldier coming home and surprising his family there's news events of new crashes or a first responder that was killed and so on so it's it's a lot different for this community um and and it is it really does take a long-term commitment to have long-term impact
0: well you guys and it's men and women that are volunteering and doing the work for the angels of america's Fallen. you guys must really get attached
1: Well, we do. And, and let me be clear about one thing though, the volunteers are not the ones directly interacting with the kids being their coach or instructor, because that's the, that's through an organization that we pay, you know, so it's more professionalized. It's more vetted. It's the one that the parent vets. Good news. And, um, yeah, you know, that's an important thing because the last thing we want to do is introduce a predator to these families where in most cases, the protector of the families is gone, you know? So, um, and I, I don't know, I may have gotten off your original question. What was the
0: question? Well, I was just worried about how attached you become to these kids, because if you start at oh, a young yeah. age and all, all the way up to 18, it's like you become another parent almost.
1: Well, it, it, that's a really interesting thing. Yes, it, it is about that, um, which is it's a very positive thing for us to be involved in this because we see their progression. You know, we see maybe they started their first piano lesson or their first gymnastic lessons or dance or something. And then we see them progress over time because, you know, we're asking them to send us pictures and videos and how are you doing and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like having a whole bunch of grandkids. <laughs> awesome. fact, um, one of the kids that we we have here, whose mom was from Germany. She met her husband when he was stationed over there, and came here with him and then and, and he was killed by an IED when their son was 10 months old, but she chose to stay here and raise her son here. So his whole grandparents and, the, you know, the mom side of the family are still in Germany. And um, for his school, he had a Grandparents' Day. And he asked my wife and me if we would go and be his grandparents for him at Grandparents' Day. And that was
0: awesome. Oh, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And it gives those kids some confidence and some security knowing that they've got extra help out there, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an important thing because sometimes it, it's kind of sad. Um, the ugliness a lot of times happens after the loss. Sometimes yeah. that's the family falling through the cracks and not qualifying for things, and we see that a lot with the suicides after somebody got out, and the PTSD maybe wasn't documented really well uh, for many reasons. There's many reasons for that, but um, you know, and if they did get the insurance money or other things, sometimes family come out of the woodwork like it's the lottery, and they think they're supposed to get a share of that. But that money doesn't last very long. No, I'll bet and, not. Um, so, so for a lot of them, um, they also move multiple times trying to find a place that feels like home because sometimes going back home doesn't feel right anymore because nobody there has been through something similar or it's just been so long. So some of them might go back to their old duty station or a favorite base, and uh, they may not have family or, or tight connections. So we feel like we're, we're doing that as well. It's definitely a relationship and engagement driven.
0: Good for you. We're talking to Joe Lewis, CEO of Angels of America's Fallen. What, what's the biggest challenge for Angels? There's got to be a lot, but what's the biggest
1: yeah, I think it's a combination thing. It's really raising awareness that these kids are there and that we need to support them while they're kids. You know, the, the common thing is to think of scholarships, but that's for once they become young adults and we've got to get them there. They've got to make it through the high-risk situation that any kids are going through, you know, today it's a lot different than than when I was growing up and could get away with mischief without getting kicked out of school, or, you know. <laughs> it's 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 harder to stay on track, I think today and the stakes are higher so getting people to think hey we should be standing by these kids because their parent gave all for our country and community and now that parent's not there for their child and then of course we have to have the funds to be able to pay for the activity so it's awareness to raise the funds to be able to support more kids there are far more um, there's families signing up way faster than we're able to enroll them
0: well you know
1: it's funny
0: i'll bet it is unfortunately but I was looking at uh, your webpage. You have a lot of sponsors, a lot of supporters, because you are a nonprofit. Is that the main area you get the money you use to help all these wonderful children?
1: It is. It's individuals and, and companies generally, and, and some you know foundations as well. But no federal funding whatsoever. It is. Um, it's kind of a grassroots thing. It's it's out of the, We can only honor this long term commitment through the the kindness of people's hearts. So the individual donor, the small monthly $5 donor, you know, that adds up and it provides stability that we know we've got this amount coming in monthly that helps us project when we can bring a new child off the waiting list. Cause when we do, we're making that commitment on average. Right now, I think we're somewhere around seven to eight years is your sure. average commitment once we've enrolled the child. So it's a big deal. And, and that's a very unusual model for a nonprofit. Normally you would just provide more output. If you had more revenue, if your revenue goes down you provide less output, but for us, if we fail to honor that commitment and keep them in their activity, that's another significant loss for the child. If, if they've identified as a gymnast or a dancer and that's their thing and we got them started in that and all of a sudden we fail and they can't do it, um, that that's what keeps me up at night is that the long-term commitment that we can only honor through the goodness of people's hearts and if this economy tanks and, you know, there's all those kinds of things. But so far, you know, what we've found is, is people really do have a connection to this, whether they support the military or first responders or were one or had a relative that was one. Or maybe they just remember that when they were a kid in school, that playing football was their thing. And if it hadn't been for that coach, they might have ended up worse, you know, sure. that kind of thing. So, so there's a connection point really for
0: everybody. I guess so. Well, listen, there's a lot of people listening right now. How can they connect to learn more or to help out? And and what do you need more help with besides money?
1: Um, raising awareness is a big one, So, but they can connect with us on our webpage. It's AOAFallen.org. Also, you know, we've got Facebook and that kind of stuff on social media, but sharing our posts and, and letting people know that we exist. And, and for those that are looking for a good cause. you know we put our, our audited financials on our webpage under the About us section. Uh, we're a complete open book. We, we you know the full audit is on there. our IRS tax filing is on there. We work very hard to keep our overhead low and um, we're, we're willing to answer any questions. So again, investigate us, compare us to other nonprofits out there. Choose us if, if you feel in your heart that we're the right fit. Tell a business about us or if you own a business and you're looking for a cause to support. You know, we would love to have that. And then volunteers, it's helping us with the workload of of doing some of the things, addressing envelopes, um, setting up fundraising events. That's a big one because, you know, there's a lot of power in small events because it raises awareness in circles we otherwise wouldn't have been. So things like, you know, a restaurant that does a night for us and somebody could coordinate doing that. It's not a ton of money, but it's the customers they hear about us. And then there's some funds generated as well.
0: Now, you're based out of Colorado Springs, but you work all over the country, don't you?
1: We do. Yep, we've got board members uh, on east, the East Coast and the West Coast, and we've got kids that we support all across the country. In fact, we've had some in Germany and in Africa even, because no matter where the family goes, we're going to support that child in that community wherever they land.
0: Well, that's good for you guys. Keep the word out there. And again, give us the website or some way people can reach out if they can't financially help you. I know a lot of people like to volunteer time, especially during these times of COVID. They want to get out and help more people. and This would be a way to do it.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And they can contact us through the webpage, AOAfallen.org. And uh, we can find something that would fit for them to get engaged.
0: Joe Lewis, CEO of Angels of America's Fallen. Good job, my friend. Nine years—you've come a long way, and you're helping a lot of people. You should feel real good about yourself and all those people you work with.
1: It's an honor. It is an absolute honor to do it. I mean, these families are amazing, and it's it's awesome too when we get them together because the moms, um, they there's a bunch of laughter. You know, the moms oh. are sharing stories and talking about things that can help each other, but they're laughing and having fun. It's not grief-based, and the kids just click. They don't. Have to talk about their loss. They just click because they get it. They're with somebody else that gets it. It's just a ton of positivity, and and that's what we do. We you know we honor the loss and the sacrifice, but we focus on positives and possibilities for the kids.
0: Good job, Joe. Thanks for going on Mile High Magazine with us. Let's get the word out there. Maybe more help coming your way. And keep up the good work.
1: Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: And we'll be right back, Murphy Houston on Mile High Magazine. Don't go away. Now.